You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, uh, boy, it's Memorial Day weekend, kickoff for the summer, and I'm looking forward to the summer, and I did a wedding on the beach yesterday. The beach was packed, and uh, people everywhere, and it's just so good to see people enjoying the summer, and I'm just so excited about the summer being here. But Memorial Day has a lot to do with uh, people that have given their lives for our country, and when we think about Memorial Day, it's a little different than Veterans Day. Memorial Day is when we think about people that have served our country and actually given their life for our country, and uh, we're just so grateful for those folks. And I just want to take a moment, if we have any veterans in this crowd here, Joel uh, uh, Canfield in the back, Joel has served in our, in our uh, military in very, very uh, dangerous places, and would you give Joel a hand and others that have served? If you're a veteran, would you stand up? And uh, if you're a veteran here, let's give our veterans a hand for their service to our country. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we are uh, in a series uh, called uh, Survivor, and it's called Survivor because in the series uh, we're talking about the people of First Thessalonians, young, young church, only about a year old. They're brand new Christians, and they're experiencing a lot of persecution in their community for their faith. And the reason they're experiencing persecution is because we're going to talk a little bit at the end of the message today about they turn from idols to the living God. It says at the end of chapter 1 of uh, 1 Thessalonians. And what that tells us, it tells us a couple things. It tells us, first of all, that this church was primarily made up of Gentiles. They weren't Jewish people because they, Jewish people didn't worship idols. Uh, and when we see that Paul is addressing them as people that have turned from idols, it means that they have turned from their pagan way of living. And these, so they don't understand anything about the Old Testament. They don't understand the Bible and they're just turning to Jesus and they're receiving the Lord. And it's just really exciting about what is happening there. But what happened was the reason they're persecuted is because in the community, you know, uh, every, every Greek city in that day, Thessalonica had about 200,000 people in it. Every Greek city worshipped certain gods. And you had a patron god of the city. And that patron god was supposed to protect the city. Now, these Christians... They quit participating in worshiping the gods. They've quit participating in a lot of different things. And so if you didn't honor the gods uh, in the Roman Empire, in those Greek cities, it meant that you weren't showing honor to that god that protected the city. So therefore, you're putting the city at risk. And if you were a plumber or if you were a garment maker, every, every guild had its own god. And so these people are being persecuted because they turned their back on what the fabric of society. And when there's a parade for Zeus, you know, when it goes by the Christian's house, there's no way to stand out front. So that's why they're being persecuted. And so Paul writes them to encourage them, and they're going through a hard time. And I want to, we're going to key in on one verse today. It says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, severe suffering, with a joy given by the Holy Spirit. 
And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Paul is greeting them. He cares about them. He loves them. He's burdened for them. And he starts by saying this, for we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he's chosen you. For we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he's chosen you. So think about how he addresses them. He calls them brothers and sisters. I want you to think about the church is a family. The church is a family. We're part of a family. Uh, you know, sometimes I think in, in the modern world, we're looking at the church a little more like a restaurant. You go to church and you, you know, you have a, a certain program that you like and you come in, you see, you know, a certain speaker and all of that. And there's certain, you know, kind of our mindset today is we want to go to church to, to get some spiritual product. But the New Testament church was viewed itself as a, as a family, brothers and sisters. So I want you to know that Bayshore and you coming here today, and I met a lot of you in the parking lot, and uh, a lot of you moved here from uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Maryland and different places, and you come from all of these ungodly places to come to Delaware, you know? <laughs> and you come here and... You're in search, not just for a church, but you're in search for a spiritual family. And Paul said, brothers and sisters, loved by God. You know, when I, when I was a, a kid, I was the firstborn in my family. And that describes, you know, why I'm type A and uptight and obsessive compulsive and all those things that go along with being a firstborn. And I wanted a brother desperately. And five years later, my mom was pregnant, and I was just a little boy praying for a brother. Lord, give me a brother. I want a brother. And I got a sister. And she's wonderful, talented, uh, smart, smarter than me. She's amazing. Then eight years, not eight years later, but three years after that, my mom got pregnant again. I'm praying for a brother. Lord, give me a brother. I want a brother. This sister's okay, but I want a brother. And the Lord gave me another sister. So I have two sisters, and mom and dad quit. That was it, you know. And I've always wanted a brother. And the Lord in my life has given me brothers. I have brothers. I mean, I really, really have close brothers. I have a guy that's coming up to spend a week with me from uh, Totter, Texas. And if, in a couple weeks, his mom's sick, and he's coming to, him and his wife are going to stay at her house. And I just got back two weeks ago from hanging out with a, a friend of mine in Florida, brother that I'm, I, I talk to him about everything. He knows everything about me. He knows all my sins. He knows all my weaknesses. He knows what my dreams are. And I have a brother. Last night after doing the wedding, somebody uh, texted me in this community that's a part of our church and said, hey, you want to stop by on the way home from the wedding and hit some tennis balls? Well, gosh, when somebody says, you want to hit some tennis balls, <laughs> that's the Lord speaking to me. <laughs> so I went over and hung out with him and we hit some tennis balls and we talked for about two hours and then he's getting ready to move and so we're sitting in his Jeep at the end of our little workout session and we just prayed together in the Jeep. Brothers and sisters, love by God. The church is not a spiritual restaurant. 
The church is a family. The Bible says in Psalm 68 that God sets the lonely in families. Some of you have come to this community and you like the beach and you like Fisher's popcorn and you like a lot of stuff and you felt isolated for a while. But you know, the Spirit of the Lord has a way to knit you together with people that you belong to hang out with. And it says that Paul said, brothers and sisters loved by God. Jesus one time was uh, hanging out with a bunch of people. I think it's in Mark chapter 3, a bunch of people around him. And his mother and his brothers came to try to see him. And somebody came to Jesus. He's got crowds around him, Matthew says. And they said, we want to see you. You know, mom wants to see you, and the brothers wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus used that moment as a, as a moment of illustration. He said, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And he pointed to the people in the circle around him. and says, these are my brothers, and these are my mothers, because whoever does the will of God is my family. You have a spiritual family, you have a biological family. When you, have a, when you are part of a family... When my sister, my youngest sister, Debbie, when she calls me, my dad's older and he's got some issues, whenever I see her, her call come up on the, uh, in, on the phone, boy, I answer that phone. I'm committed to her because she's in my family. You know, I get a lot of calls from me, like people trying to sell me. I'm like getting ready to get on Medicare, I guess. And so everybody's calling me. I get like 20 calls a day. Do you want some insurance? We're here to help you. I bet you are. You know, I'm telling you, you get all that all the time. But when I get a call from my family... I'm committed to them, and we're committed to each other. That's why Bayshore is really big on small groups. There's some great small groups in this community, in this church, great, great small groups. I'm a part of a small group. Every other Tuesday morning, I get together at 6.30 in the morning at a restaurant, and I sit with a bunch of guys, and we've been studying the book of Mark since September, and you know, just six or seven of us just talking about life, talking about trucks, talking about electric cars versus petroleum-driven cars. We've had wonderful conversations, but we've been talking about the Bible and praying together because the church is a spiritual family. It's a spiritual family. And we want to we just get that DNA in the Millsburg campus, in the Femic Island campus, in the Rehoboth campus. This fall, we're going to be launching small groups again. You've got to find your huddle because the Holy Spirit wants to join you together with people that are going to be your brothers and sisters. So the church is a family, not a restaurant. He says, Paul said, brothers and sisters. Listen to this. Paul is addressing them as brothers and sisters. Paul is not the pope. Paul is not looking down on them. Paul is not condescending to them. He said, brothers and sisters, he is their brother, and he's related to them. See, good spiritual leadership in the church it's not hierarchical. It's not like someone looking down over you. It's someone that's related to you by the blood of Jesus. Now, Paul had spiritual authority, no question about it. He was an apostle. But he wasn't sort of condescending. He's, he called them, he didn't call them subjects. He didn't call them constituents. He called them brothers and sisters because Paul was the brother of the people in the church of Corinth. I am your brother. People say, what do you, when people come to Bayshore, Pastor Danny, what should we call you? I say, well, just call me Holy Father. Just call me Holy Father. <laughs> and a lot of people call me Pastor Danny. Uh, some people call me Danny. 
Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is we are brothers and sisters. I'm your brother. I'm a part of this church. I'm not over the church. I, I have a responsibility. God's anointed me to lead the church and to work with our team. But I'm your brother. The church is a family. And any system, any denomination, any system that has a condescending view of the church is not a healthy system. Paul said, brothers and sisters, loved by God. I love that phrase. Paul said he wanted to remind them that they were loved by God. And if we don't know we're loved by God, we can never progress in the Christian faith. I grew up in a church where, good church, they loved Jesus, loved the Bible, but there was a lot of beating you over the head with the Bible. I mean, I got whipped up a lot of times in church, and I didn't know that God loved me. I went to, uh, went to church and Sunday school, youth group, and I'm 21 years old. I've been a Christian since I'm 12 years old, and I'm sitting in Romans class in Bible college, and I heard about justification by faith in Romans chapter 5, and I had an epiphany that God loved me. I was always told, love God, love God, be more committed, Danny. And I'm trying as hard as I can. I'm doggy paddling as hard as I can, trying to be more like Jesus. And you can't be more like Jesus until you know how much he loves you. He loves you. Paul said, brothers and sisters, loved by God. There's two times that God loves you. God loves you when, you're, when you've messed up. And God loves you when you're going through a hard time. Sometimes when you mess up, you think, and I thought, I thought that God's love was like the stock market. It went up and down. If I'm doing good, I'm having a good day, I'm reading my Bible, I'm, I didn't do anything wrong, I'm living for Jesus, I'm having a good day, I feel like God's love is strong on that day. God loves me a lot on that day. And if I'm having a bad day, and I maybe said something on the tennis court, maybe not out loud, but in my head, I'm cursing in my head. I think, oh, God, he sees that. He doesn't love me much today. And I feel like that God's love would drop on me. But listen to this. God's love is consistent. His love is consistent. He loves me as much on my bad days as he loves me on my good days. I can never increase his love and I can never decrease his love because God's love is consistent. And Paul said, brothers and sisters, love by God. You are loved by God. Now, I'm a big fan of Chosen, the, uh, the, the, uh, the series Chosen. How many have watched Chosen, season one and season two? I mean, people told me, Christians told me to watch it, and people are pulling on me, go watch Chosen, and I'm thinking it's probably another lame Christian production of something that's not worth watching is what I thought. That's what my terrible thoughts were. And then finally, you know, they, the pressure was too much. People kept asking me, so I thought I got I to watch it. Just say, I watched it. And I watched season one, wow, oh, man, I hope Jesus is like the Jesus in the chosen. I believe he is. And then season two, my favorite scene, 
is when Mary Magdalene messes up and she goes back to the world, she goes back to her, her loose living, she goes back to her promiscuity. And I never thought of that as being a possibility, but you know, it's pretty possible that she did that. And she's covered with shame, and she doesn't even come back to Jesus. James and John have to go fetch her and bring her back. And Jesus is in that tent, he's praying, and Mary brings Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of Jesus, brings Mary Magdalene into the tent, and Jesus stands up, and he, and he looks at her. And Mary's covered with shame, and she says, I'm so sorry, I'm so, I, I'm not, you've done everything for me, and I don't deserve it. And he says this, it wouldn't be much of a redemption if you could lose it in one day. It wouldn't be much of a redemption if you could lose it in one day. I'm telling you, when I saw that, man, I'm got goosebumps. I'm watching that. And then he said, Mary, did you think you're never going to struggle with sin again? Did you think you were never going to sin again? And then she's hanging her head in shame. And she says, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can live it. I don't think I can live this Christian life. And he said, all I want is your heart. And then he said, look at me, Mary, look at me. And she's hanging her head down and she's covered with shame. And she, she says, I can't look at you. And she lifts her face slowly to look into the eyes of Jesus. And he says, Mary, I forgive you. And then she hugs him and Jesus hugs her. That is the Jesus of the New Testament. Are you grateful that he's forgiven you when you've messed up? He loves you even when you messed up. Can you say a big amen? amen? Christianity is not for good people. Christianity is for bad people, and we're all bad people. How many have had some bad moments? He, Jesus did not die for your best moment. He died for your worst moment. Brothers and sisters, loved by God. You are loved by God. Perfect tense there means that he started loving you at a definitive moment. He loved you, and the effects of that love continue into the present. God loves you, loved by God. He loves you when you messed up. He loves you when you're going through a hard time. Sometimes when you're going through a hard time, you think God doesn't love you. You've done something wrong. And, you know, you're, you're serving the Lord. You come to Bayshore. You're in a small group. You're tithing. You're serving, you're doing everything, and everything is just going wrong. This week, it's been a crazy week. I mean, everything that possibly could break in my house broke this week. I had a, uh, my heat pump went up. Have you bought a heat pump lately? <laughs> we'll be receiving an offering at the end of this message today. <laughs> 20 grand for a heat pump? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, you know, Karen's got smelling sauce. I'm laying on the ground. And something went wrong with the truck, and... Hey, Christians, just, we have hard times too. People just, God loves you even when you're going through a hard time. When I was uh, in high school, there was a, a devotional for teenagers in high school, and it said, if God loves me, why can't I get my locker opened? <laughs> and he loves you when you can't get your locker opened. When, when uh, my son Tim was a little guy, he was maybe 
five years old or so, we, back at when Bayshore was called Gumboro Fellowship, and we didn't have an asphalt parking lot. We had a, a gravel parking lot. He's running across the uh, parking lot one day, and he trips, and he falls right on his face. And one of those, those, those gray stones, you know, that they have in gravel parking lots hit his lip right in the middle of that top lip and split that lip completely open, right in that little crease part. And so we took him to the emergency room. He's got blood everywhere, and I'm holding him, and Karen's driving the car. And we take him to the emergency room there in Nanticoke Hospital. And, and they, we finally get back there, and they lay him out there, and they said, boy, this is bad. We've got we to sew that lip up, and we only want one parent in here to be with him, to hold his hand while we do this. And Karen said, you're on. <laughs> this is your moment. So she goes out, and they bring that big light over Tim and they got it on his face and they start taking that little hook and they start going in there I'm hanging on to the table you know <laughs> but I'm looking over Tim and I said Tim look at me look at me and he looked at me all through that procedure and they finally got done and they got it all sewed up and I went in the hallway and just kind of went down you know but when you're going through a hard time, your father is over you looking at your face and he's with you. I never loved that boy, you know, like I did at that moment. I loved him because he was my son and he was hurting and he was going through this and it's just part of life. And I was there looking at him. And the Bible says that when you are going through a hard time, it says in Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Hardship, death, persecution, struggle, famines, nothing in all creation, in all things were conquerors through him who loved us. He loves you when you mess up, and he loves you when you're going through a hard time. Brothers and sisters loved by God. Brothers and sisters loved by God, chosen by God. Now, this is where it gets tricky. It says, brothers and sisters loved by God, Chosen by God. There's a big thing in the church about did God choose us or did we choose God? And if you look at the New Testament, maybe you were raised like I was. We were raised a strict Arminian, which means that we believed in free will. Free will, uh, God, you know, you chose God. You listened to the, the spiel. You listened to the sales pitch. You listened to the gospel. And you decided if you were going to follow Jesus. And there's certainly some scriptures to support that. For God so the world that whoever... And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. But there's a whole bunch of scriptures that talk about God choosing us. Choosing us. Choosing us. Selecting us. He selected 12 disciples. He selected the nation of Israel. He selected Jacob over Esau. There's a whole lot in the Bible where God sovereignly selects people. And so I don't understand all of that, but I do know that Paul said, Brothers and sisters loved by God, chosen by God. And the most convincing passage to me, and I think, it's, I think it's a mystery, I think free will and the sovereignty of God is a mystery, and you can only bring that so close together in your mind. There's Donald Gray Barnhouse, who was a theologian that pastored in uh, Philadelphia Presbyterian 10th, uh, 10th Presbyterian Church years ago, died in 1960. He said that imagine there's a cross that has a big door in it, and you see above the door, whosoever will come, may come. You walk through the door of the cross, and when you look on the back, it says, chosen from the foundation of the world. So both of those things are true, and it's a mystery. 
but I, I think about the uh, the Capital One commercial, Charles Barkley, you know, the commercial where there's a pickup basketball game. You see that commercial where there's a little kid standing there and it's a pickup basketball game, and the little girl says, I choose Charles Barkley. And she goes, Charles Barkley, you know, he's like, you know, kind of like, you know, just pr- uh, prancing around. And, you know, the reason she chose Charles Barkley is because he was Charles Barkley. God did not choose you because you're Charles Barkley. He chose you out of complete grace. There was nothing in you that was good. You were depraved. I was depraved. And God in his grace embraced us and called us and chose us. And I don't understand it, but it gives me comfort to know in the, in the scheme of the great cosmos, the God of the universe opened my cold heart to him and I responded to him. In Ephesians chapter 2 it says, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were dead in our transgressions and sins and our sins and he awakened us. So imagine, imagine you got a guy and he's in a coffin, a morbid scene here. He's in a coffin and he's dead and you take a grotto's pizza. I mean a grotto's pizza with everything on it and it's, it's hot and it's steaming and you got some birch beer and you put it on his lap. Now, you know, there's nothing better than a grotto's peach and if you don't like grotto's pizza, there's just something basically wrong with you. <laughs> How many are grotto's pizza fans? Not everybody and some of you aren't. Some of you are Nicoli fans. Anybody mean Nicoli, different pizza? So yeah, some people don't like grotto's pizza and I, I don't understand it, but anyhow, God loves everybody, you know? But you take that gratis pizza there, and that dead man doesn't respond to that pizza at all. And then you could really, you could, you could really kick it up a little bit. You could go to dumpsters, and you could get a chocolate milkshake. If you have, haven't had a dumpsters chocolate milkshake, you're missing something wonderful. You take that chocolate milkshake from dumpsters, and you put it there, and he's not going to respond because he's dead. Dead people don't respond to good things. God made you alive in Christ. He opened your heart to receive Jesus. And so we walk in gratitude toward that. Heard a guy one time say that he's, he's, he has a little boy. And every night when he prays with his little boy before he goes to sleep, he reads him a little story and they get down on their knees and they pray. And then he tucks the little boy into the bed and he says to his little boy every single night, if they lined up all the little boys in the whole world and they said you could only select one little boy, I would select you. You know, when you think about you are chosen by God, he has selected you, he loves you, he cares about you. Paul said, brothers and sisters, everybody say brothers and sisters. Everybody say loved by God. Chosen by God. So that's a wonderful picture there. So Paul, as he's trying to encourage these people, he says, you know, you, you have a family and you're loved by God and, and you're chosen by God. And so when you know those three things, you can walk in incredible perseverance. You're not going to quit because you've been chosen by God. Then Paul ends, the, ends his little section here by saying in... Uh, he said in verse 9, For they themselves report what kind of deception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They turned from idols 
to serve the living and true God. Now, they turned from Zeus, they turned from Apollos, they turned, uh, the gods were those elements in their world that protected them and gave them security. And Paul said, you turned your back on these false things of security and you embraced the Lord. And here's the thing about following the Lord. We'd say to people, come as you are, but the point is, you come as you are, but you don't stay as you are. You don't keep your idols. They turn from their idols. They turn from the things that were dysfunctional in their life. They turn from the things that God saw that was destroying them. So this week I had lunch with a, a guy named Sean O'Brien. Sean O'Brien runs our Celebrate Recovery uh, for Bayshore at the Rehoboth campus on Thursday nights. And I've known Sean since he was a little boy. Sean was a... Uh, Terrible, terrible upbringing. His, his dad just abandoned him in a lot of ways, and this little boy grew, grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Consequently, he got in, into drugs, and he got into alcoholism, and he got into porn. He got into a lot of things, and uh, worst of all, he became an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He hung out at our house growing up, and so my son Tim was friends with him, and so I would always, you know, play ball with Sean in the backyard with our kids and just love this kid but his drug issues got more and more severe and finally his wife kicked him out and he ended up in rehab and 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 went through rehab and his wife gave him no guarantee that they were going to get back together and he got out of rehab and when he got done uh, he's living in a little one room uh, of, of a friend by himself he has nothing he's lost everything and the Lord begins to work in his heart and he turns his heart back to the Lord and he fully embraces the Lord and the Lord saves him and redeems him. So I'm having lunch with Sean this week and he's speaking today at the Rehoboth campus about Celebrate Recovery. And Sean's very transparent and he said to me, he said, you know, Pastor Danny, there's not a morning I get up where I don't think about some of the things I used to do, some of the idols I used to be engaged in, some of the things I used to do. There's not a day goes by. He said, most of all, there's not a day that I get up that I don't wonder if it's all true. I struggle with my belief. So I listened to Sean and we talked and we had a wonderful conversation and, uh, and I talked about the importance of just, hey, letting, letting God process your doubts. It's okay to have doubts. And the Bible says to be merciful with those that doubt. And Jesus chose doubting Thomas, you know, this guy that just didn't get it. And he was one of Jesus' favorite disciples. I said, Sean, God's chosen you even though you struggle with doubts. But I said, Sean, do you want to know why I believe in God? Do you want to know why I'm convinced there's a God? And he said, Pastor Danny, I do. And he leaned forward. I said, I believe in God because of your face. Because I remember those cold, dark eyes. I remember the cynicism I remember, I knew you were patronizing me because I was a preacher. I knew you weren't buying anything I was saying. But your eyes are filled with compassion now. Your eyes are filled with love. Your eyes are filled with mercy. And your face, there's something about him. Every time I see him, have you lost weight? What are you doing? It's his face. His face is different because Jesus has changed him. And Jesus has transformed him. He's turned from his the drugs, he's turned from the alcohol, those idols that never got it for him. He's turned his back and he's embraced the living God and you can see it on his face. 
How many know when Jesus really transformed somebody, they look different? They talk different. And I had tears in my eyes. I could barely get it out. I said, Sean, I believe in God because of your face. I've studied the apologetics. I've read all the stuff. I think it's wonderful, and I enjoy that. But at the end of the day, what makes me believe in God is Sean O'Brien's face. That he's turned from idols to the living God that changed him. And there are some people here this morning. There are some people listening to me right now in this room and at Millsboro right now. That you've been serving your idols and your idols have left you empty. And you need to turn from those empty things and turn to the living God. And Paul said, you've turned your back on idols and you have served the living and true God. So you've got to let go of some things in order to move forward with what the Lord has for you. A couple of weeks ago, I flew to Pensacola, Karen and I did, to see a good friend and uh, his wife. And we spent this wonderful vacation on the 13th floor of this condo. We got the Pensacola Bay on one side and the Gulf of Mexico on the other side. And hard through tennis courts everywhere and uh, swimming pools everywhere. It was just wonderful. I just said, Lord, I just want to build three tabernacles and just stay here. It's just wonderful. But flying down, we were flying with Delta, and Delta's in this big campaign right now. The campaign for Delta is, is that, uh, you know, they're, they're the friendly airlines, and we're here to serve you, and we're here to help you. And they had pictures of all these smiling people everywhere with Delta Airlines, and I thought, well, this is going to be a great experience. But Delta was having a bad day. <laughs> the pictures did not match what was happening to us. They were mad. They were annoyed. And just everything went wrong. I mean, they're like, like this lady said, uh, she said, you know, to, you know, anybody, if you have a lug, have a carry-on you want to put on the plane, you know, please, you know, bring it up here. So Karen took her carry-on up there. And then the lady said, what are you doing up here? And she's on the, don't come up here with the carry-on. So you know, it's like, oh my gosh, we were just, we didn't know what to do. And we were flying basic. Now, Air, you know, Delta has, they have the, they have the sky, the sky special people. They got Delta one. They got Delta wonderful people, and then they got basic people, and we're the basic. So basic, you know, you're like in a prison of war camp. You're walking in there, and they call you basic people coming up here. And Karen was still trying to do something. I said, I'm going to get on the plane and get our seat. And I had my, my tennis bag on because I had, this was my carry-on. I had my computer in it, all my stuff in it, and I had it on my back because I want to play a lot of tennis in Florida. And... I'm walking down the aisle, and of course, we were at 33 D and E, which is the last seat on the airplane, which you can't put back. And I was in the middle. Karen was had a window seat, and there was this lady sitting in the aisle. So I thought, you know, I'm probably going to have to go to the bathroom once I get in this flight, so I'll go to the bathroom now. And I'd gone, you know, a number of times in the terminal, but I thought, well, I don't want to be sitting here miserable, so I'm going to go in the bathroom. So, you know, they got that little bathroom. It's right next to the last seat. Got that little bathroom that's got the little folding doors. So I walk into the bathroom with my tennis bag on, and it's like that big. And I'm trying to get in there, and I can't get in there. And what happens is I get stuck. <laughs> I can't go forward, and I can't go backwards. My tennis bag is caught. And I tried to reach around and close the door because I was so embarrassed. I thought, I'm going to turn around somehow and get myself out of this mess. But I couldn't close the door. 
Some standing there, literally standing there, stuck in the bathroom. And one of the friendly Delta ladies <laughs> grabbed a hold of my bag and pulled me out. She gave me a look like, you're flying basic, aren't you? And I had one of Karen's bag. I bent over, and everything that in her bag fell out on the floor. And so I'm down there picking it up. And she started to bend over, pick it up, but she just, like, gave up. She just backed away. It was just such an embarrassing moment. And uh, Delta's, you know, they're working on it. It was better on the way back. But, you know, when you're trying to move forward in following the Lord, there's some things you've got to get rid of. And I'm trying to get in that bathroom. I'm stuck in the bathroom because I'm holding on to something I should have put down before I went in there. When you think about following Jesus, anything he's asking you to give up is for your benefit. Any habit, anything you think you've got to have is an idol that's helping you find your identity. And your identity needs to be in the Lord. And those false gods that the Thessalonians had been worshiping. Their identity was wrapped up in Zeus. Their identity was wrapped up in Apollo and Aphrodite. And they turned their backs on their idols to serve the living God. And we can't really completely go forward like we need to go forward until we turn our backs on the things that the Lord speaks to us about. So Paul said, Brothers and sisters, everybody say, I'm in a family. Loved by God. Everybody say, he loves me. Chosen by God. Selected by God. You know, he knows your name. He knows where your birthmarks are. Loved by God chosen by God, turn their back on idols to serve the living and true God. Would you lift your hands with me? Let's let the Holy Spirit just set us free and liberate us this morning from the things that we've been holding on to we need to let go of. God, I pray over this group of people in Millsboro and also in Thamuk Island that you've chosen You've made them like Sean O'Brien. You're changing their face. Their face is becoming something beautiful because of your transforming work in their life. We thank you for what you've done for us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have been passed away and everything becomes new. And Lord, next Sunday as people get baptized in this campus, the very first time people have ever been baptized in this campus, as they get baptized next Sunday, we thank you that there's going to be joyful faces come out of that water and anybody that hasn't been baptized yet we pray that lord you'll draw them to that moment where they go public with their faith and they turn their back on their idols to serve the living god we love you and we honor you in jesus name Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. 
You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.